How dare you? <laughs> okay, well, um, good morning. As you all know, some of you um, might be new in here. My name is Valani, and I am married to Rachel. She's sat over there. So that's my beloved wife, of whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to um, recap on what Neil uh, was talking on this morning, about this morning. I, I really think that's, um, sorry for moving around, I'm, I'm, I'm never still when I talk. So, um, uh, Psalm 103, really, really inspiring and, and really encouraging to, uh, to think that um, we can instruct our, our soul, our spirit man to uh, praise God. Because actually, <laughs> sometimes there are reasons that feel like actually you shouldn't praise God because maybe you feel too tired. Maybe... Actually, you would do it later, but no, take charge. Who forgives some of your sins and heals some of your diseases? Yeah? Is that right? Someone is arguing. Are you arguing? <laughs> he forgives all of our diseases and heals Some of it? All of it? All of it. Because you know sometimes when we don't get healed from something or there's something that's sort of lingering in your head, the guilt about something, you think maybe I'm not quite forgiven. Maybe God heals some things but not all of them. Right? And then we change the truth to align it with our experience. And I think that the thing is God doesn't change his mind, but I, don't, I wanted to steal your thunder. I'm not going to go over Neil's message, but I would like to talk today quickly. I've got only 15 minutes. Um, um, from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, and it reads, He came unto his own, is it behind there? And his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, that scripture tells us about our salvation in God, but because this is a recap by John, he's actually talking before Jesus died. He's recapping that Jesus came to the world, because if you see the scriptures before that uh, uh, piece of scripture, they say, he was in the world, and the world was created by him, and the world knew him not. So really we know that it isn't just talking about the Jewish community, but it's talking about the world broadly, that Jesus came to what he created, and what he created didn't recognize him. You know when you, someone who's not very well, and they, 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 they say to you, we're looking for an organ, uh, we're looking for a liver, liver transplant. And they look around, they can't find it, and they find someone with a match, and they go, we found it. 
We found it. And the doctors come around you and they say, okay, we're going to do this. And they do it. And they go, the organ was rejected by the body. So actually this person didn't benefit from the organ. So when Jesus came to the world, that's exactly what happened. We couldn't benefit from him because we rejected him. Now, I know I'm saying this, you know, the world rejected Jesus. I know you've received Jesus. And now what I want to talk about as well is that um, it says, for as many as received him gave he the power, meaning the right, the authority, and the privilege, or he designated them to become children of God. So does that mean that when people received Jesus, they became children of God when he was on earth? Well, I, I just want to think about that for a second. I'm not going to turn it into a, a preach because I've got 13 minutes, maybe 12. So here we go. So I, I don't believe that people received Jesus and became born again at the time. Why am I saying that? Well, because we know that in the book of John, chapter 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm a grown man. He says, what? You don't understand what I mean by you must be born again? And you're a teacher of the law? You must be born again. Jesus is a little bit provocative because actually Nicodemus had come to praise him, to endorse him. He said, we know you're from God. And Jesus says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of water and spirit. I mean, what kind of response is that? This guy came to praise you, and now you're giving him a very complex thing to think about. He didn't get it. But here's the thing I want to zero in on. Is that in John chapter 3, verse 16, the beautiful verse that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And one of the things I want to think about here and now is that Jesus, we see him here, is the only begotten of the Father. We just said in John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, that as many as received him gave he power to become children of God. And then we're saying here that God gave his only begotten son. Well, why the only begotten son? Well, because we know that according to Hebrews chapter 9, 22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. The other thing that we know, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, is that the blood of goats and bulls, it's impossible for the blood of goats and bulls to wash away sin. Well, it's very interesting because Jesus, according to Revelation 13 verse 8, was crucified before the foundation of the earth. Well, why does it put it like that? Well, one of the reasons it puts it like that is that God makes up his mind first, 
and then he goes about doing what he planned to do. In his mind, when he makes up his mind, it's done. <laughs> That's how God works. Literally, he thinks about it, and he says, I'm going to do that, and then it's done. He doesn't do it the other way. So he doesn't start until he's finished. So when he starts, it's because he's finished. He's already made up his mind. And one of the reasons I'm saying this to you is because I wanted to refresh your mind. I wanted to remind you today that you are a child of God. You are a daughter and a son of God. I'll tell you why I'm saying that. First of all, let's think about what Jesus says about himself again. Um, he talks in John 5, uh, verse 53. He says, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And the Jews were like, uh, sorry, but you're not 50 yet. So, actually, that doesn't make sense. And he says, well, before Abraham was, I am. And that's not even grammatically correct. So, but you see... He's not, he's not bound to time. It isn't an issue of grammar. He's not bound to time. He lives in the eternal present. So, if we think about this, you are a child of God. You are a son and a daughter of the living God. And um, the Bible tells us that Jesus comes into the world as the only begotten of the Father to save you and me. So he dies, and he rises again. When he rises, the Bible tells us, according to Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 6, that he's the first begotten of the Father. He's not the only begotten of the Father. He's the first begotten because you, you're the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. Or... You're the second begotten of the Father. So you're the siblings of Jesus. Hebrews 2.12 says, Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister. He's not ashamed of it. Well, why am I telling you all this stuff? Well, I'm telling you all this stuff because... Sometimes, someone wants to come and lie to you and says, well, you know, when it says you're a child of God, it doesn't mean it literally. Not, not, you know, you're a child of God, but not quite, not in the way you think. Are you really a child of God? I mean, you're not praying enough. You are not fasting enough. You have committed that sin, and you have done that thing. So really, maybe you're not quite the child of God the way you think you are. I've got five minutes, so I'm going to talk to young people. Shall we rewind? Imagine you were 12. I don't know how it works. I don't know the rules. You're 12, and your mom, your dad, they give you your set of keys. First time. And now you can have your set of keys, and you go to your house, and you try and unlock the door, and the keys don't work. Now, think with me for a second. You wouldn't think, well, 
the keys don't work, maybe, maybe it's not my house. <laughs> and maybe some people look around and they see you trying the key and they say, you're right. You'd like a little bit cheapish, well, maybe, maybe it's not really my house. Maybe actually I may as well just go back to my grand's place or maybe I just go to, to Quincy's because Quincy's very nice. <laughs> and um, I help him with the painting. <laughs> just couch surf. And maybe I just go to Quincy's, but the trouble with Quincy's sometimes he, he locks his, his keys inside the door. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, 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 that sounds crazy. You wouldn't walk away and think, maybe it's not my house because this key doesn't work. Why? Because it's your house. So you're going to keep trying that key. So you're going to call someone. So you're going to keep trying. It's my house. This key here works. It needs to work. It has to work. Right? Why are you doing this? Because you know that 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 it's your house. Well, I want to remind you that you, I, I want to remind you that you're a child of God. And God's made up his mind about it. You might feel, oh, you know, maybe he, li he likes the person next to me. He likes that one, but not quite me. Who do you think you are? He loves you. Who do you think you are for him to not love you? He loves you. And he calls you his child. And you know what? If you and I, we hold on to that, to the fact that we are children of God, God will manifest himself in our midst, in a corporate sense. He will manifest himself in a corporate sense. Why? Because he says, and I must end with this, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18, they shall be my people, and I shall be their God. But it doesn't start like that. He says, therefore, come out from amongst them, my people, and touch no unclean things. So he says, my people, before he says, they shall be my people, and I shall be their God. So actually, he makes up his mind that we are his people, and then he goes about being our God and us being his people. So what I want to invite you to do today is to not pay attention to some of the lies that say, if you're a child of God, how come you've done that? How come you haven't done that? If you're really, really a child of God, how come you're not reading enough of the word? How come you're not doing that enough? How come, how come you're not healed? If he really loves you, how come you're still struggling with that? I just wanted to remind you that if you get the revelation that you are a child of God, then it's easy to be healed. If you really get it, let me tell you something. People that are not children of God get healed. But you see, healing is the bread of the children. And if you know how to give good gifts to your children, and you're not God, and God is good, do you think he will, he will withhold bread from you? Do you think he will withhold bread from you? I say it because it's true. I don't want to be too subjective, but I know that when I was saved, God healed me instantly, and I wasn't asking for healing. I didn't know about him, but I had a, an asthma condition, 
that God, I don't know what it was, God healed me off. And that's how I know that God is interested in you more than you are interested in you. God is interested in being your father more than you are interested in him being your father. God is interested in Oxted more than you're interested in Oxted. God's concerned about your family. God's concerned about your child more than you're concerned about your child. God's concerned about your friends more than you're concerned about your friends. How can such a good God let the world die? Let me tell you something. He's more, he's at pain about the world more than you are. But we have to understand that he is our father. And he wants to be in our midst. He cannot be in our midst if we do not understand him as father. You know, God has sent his spirit in your heart crying out, Abba, Father. He sent his spirit in your heart crying, Papa, because he couldn't trust you to do it. Because he knew you were going to be thinking all these things that says maybe you're not quite a child of God. So he said, forget about it. Send my spirit. And whilst you're computing in your head, the Spirit of God will cry out of you and say, Papa, 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 because God has put His Spirit inside of you. Sorry, I'm African, so I get excited. 